Blackstar Radio. On the phone right now, I have the State Minister for the Barren River, Craig Crawford. Now, Craig, not only is the Minister for Fire and Emergency Services and Overseas Operations and Governance, but just recently he was handed the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Partnerships as one of his ministerial portfolios. He's on the phone right now. Craig, thanks very, very much for your time, mate. Good morning. I just want to ask, I think it's on everybody's lips, is the continued shutdown of the Cape and other Indigenous communities in Queensland. When the Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk got on air saying Queensland is open for Queenslanders, she forgot to mention there was a large part that we still can't go into, is creating a bit of angst at this stage. And we've now got like the Cookshire, they are really, really hurting because they rely on their tourist dollars. What is the process now to try and, I suppose, relax part of the Biosecurity Act? Yeah, yeah, good question. So all of those remote communities are currently under what's called the Biosecurity Act, which is a federal government act, which was put across all remote Indigenous communities across Australia. So there's even obviously up into the Territory and and WI and other states as well. There's a very, very solid, strong, like a steel door coming down, if you like, on communities. So it stopped, you know, absolutely everyone getting in, everyone getting out. Really did its job, was very, very effective. Hence why we've got no COVID-19 cases in any uh, remote community in Queensland. But it has run its time. And now as we're seeing other parts of Queensland and other parts of the country coming out and relaxation, the Biosecurity Act doesn't really give that bit of wiggle room. It's it's very difficult to work with. It's either all or nothing. So we've been working with the federal government for the last few weeks with Minister Wyatt and Minister Greg Hunt, as well as with our state disaster people here in Queensland and the Chief Health Officer and a few others and certainly representatives from DATSIP to make sure that we can put something into play when we remove the Biosecurity Act. So cut a long story short, we've done a lot of work with the feds. We're hoping on Friday the 12th coming up that the Biosecurity Act will be removed from all of Queensland's communities and every single one of those communities will have their own tailor-made chief health officer directives, which has been built by that community. So we empowered the mayors of all of those communities as well as their local disaster management groups. So the same people that we would ask the mayors to sit around the table with planning for a cyclone or a fire or a flood to plan for what they think their community needs, what are the specifics for them, certainly around who can come in, who can't come in, how do locals leave and come back, do you have to self-quarantine outside of town or can you actually do it inside of town, can you even do it in your own home? what contractors can come in, what tourist operators can come in. And it's been quite a good process because it's very much empowered those mayors to undertake, you know, what I've got to say is probably a very, very significant decision-making process that they've had to do and so early in their new political term for most of them. So on Friday, each community will have its own set of rules built by them as they go to the next phase. But I do know a lot of Indigenous communities in that. I'll use Yarrabah, Awurubinda. They chafed at the bit. They've now got themselves, so they've got a bit of leeway to be able to come out of their zone and back into their zone as long as rules are followed. Are you seeing something similar that which may occur for other areas? Yeah, yeah. Look, most places, you know, the feedback I've had from most mayors is that they are definitely relaxing. They're wanting to make sure that their community members can, you know, relatively freely come and go from community to do a range of things, you know, personal things as well as business and health and and all those bits. There was quite a strong 
feeling from a lot of them to wanting to be able to do the 14-day quarantine inside their shire or even inside people's houses. Now, obviously, with some of the overcrowding issues, that is problematic for some, but, but there are others. Certainly, the Cook Shire, you know, that does have plenty of opportunity where they can do quarantine, you know, in Cooktown and, and other places like that. So, you know, each one of them has taken a bit of a different sort of tact on it. I know up in the Torres Strait, you know, there was certainly a lot of conversation about what does this mean for the international border, and, and I can clarify that, that the Biosecurity Act remains in place for the international border. So there's no relaxation whatsoever uh, of the Torres Strait waters between PNG and Australia, uh, and the border force will maintain that hardline international border up there, and that will stay that way until certainly the federal government are, are comfortable with relaxing, you know, anything with New Guinea as a country. You know, everyone is, is different. And, and I think this is the thing that's really, you know, me as a new minister coming into or new minister in this portfolio, um, it's really opened my eyes to the significant difference between the needs and the challenges and the pressures of a community such as Yarrabah or Warabinda but also other ones right up the Cape, you know, Lockhart or Kawanyama. Every single community has got its own individual heartbeat, its own individual sets of challenges and, uh, and that sort of thing. So um, we really set about wanting to make sure that this was local decision-making. Not coming out of Brisbane, I wanted local decision-making from the ground out of community, and, and that's what we've managed to get, so I'm quite happy with it. Because I do know the uh, Cookshire Council and even the Cooktown Chamber of Commerce are chafing at the bit to try and have a bit of relaxation because I think, as they say, they can understand the shutdown and the biosecurity determination, but the word from the Cook area is they've got about probably 1% of the state's Indigenous population compared to Cairns, Atherton, 13%. So they are chafing at the bit. So this means that their local disaster management group, led by their mayor, can make their determination? That's exactly right. And, and you know, and they're in a very unique, you know, situation. I know Peter Scott quite well, the mayor there. And, you know, and like he's got so many touch points from the Cookshire with so many other shires as well. You think about it, very hard to get into any parts of the Cape without actually going through part of the Cookshire to get into any community. Um, now, that's if you're a local and it's also if you're a tourist. So, you know, there are so many pressure points, certainly the Cookshire, they want to be able to get Cooktown open, which I think is absolutely reasonable because there is now domestic tourism within Queensland starting to move and we want to make sure that Cooktown is part of that. Um, and I know that all the, the hotels and the pubs and the restaurants and everyone up there and the tour operators will certainly be feeling it like everyone else is. So we, we need them to be part of it again. But we need to make sure that that happens without it being detrimental to the communities there of Woodrow Woodrow and, and Hopevale particularly. Some of that is, is getting some of the mayors, some of the, the shires to work together. So some of them, I think, will be creating these sort of like travel bubble areas where people can freely move in a larger sort of space. But like I said before, it, it's been tailor-made. And that's what I think the real success story about this is going to be in that they will be chief health officer directives from Dr Jeanette Young. But by the time they get to her, it will have come from the local council. It will have gone through the various processes of police to make sure that it ticks the right regulation boxes. And by the time it gets to Jeanette, um, really all she has to do is sign it, and then that then turns it into law, which is then enforceable. 
So I know one of the suggestions was keep the police presence on the roads at Mount Carbine and that to monitor traffic, but to, to open it up like that. But we also have things like even at the moment, I'll use a young lady that she does uh, announcing for Blackstar at Woodrow Woodrow. She has had to come down to Cairns for a surgical procedure at the hospital. Because the nominated place where she needed to go for the 14 days was not available, there were no rooms, she was put up at another motel. She's now in where she has to go for 14 days isolation, for, and she's going to be there for all up of about four weeks, five weeks, before she can get back to Woodrow Woodrow. It's very hard for those people. Yeah, very hard, and I've heard plenty of, of stories like that, and even even some you know frustrations as well of people that have done their 14 days, you know, done everything absolutely right in Cairns, and then gone to the airport and haven't been able to hug or kiss family goodbye as they've been heading back up into the community, going home, and that sort of thing, to then find themselves standing in the lineup for a plane with a contractor who only got told a matter of two hours ago that they had to go up to a certain community to do a job and the frustrations around why did I have to do 14 days whereas the other person just got a text message. So I guess the, the thing about all these things is as a government, state, federal, local, you know, we've never ever done this before on this sort of scale. There are so many things that all levels of government, from the Premier and the Prime Minister and everybody, we are having to really work this out on the move. Not only the entry as we came into COVID-19, but now now the exit. And, and the exit is actually probably harder than the entry. It, it's easier to shut things down than what it is to try to stage their reopening. And, you know, and, and there are always going to be cases where there are people or, or a situation that the law or the regulations or the rules doesn't just doesn't account for. So hopefully, um, you know, on Friday, we can get to the next sort of phase where it'll be a whole lot you know, there'll be more clarity for everybody, it'll be fairer for everybody, but at the same time, we've got that reaction ability so that we can fundamentally keep people safe, because that's still what it's all about. You know, COVID-19 is still around, and as more tourists begin to, you know, eventually they'll be coming from Melbourne and Sydney on planes once the borders open, and they will come to Cairns, and they'll be circling through the same Cairns airport as a lot of your listeners. So, you know, we still need to be mindful that there is going to be a high chance that we will get a COVID-19 case or a cluster outbreak in a remote community. But now we are in a far better position, a stronger position to be able to jump on it uh, and manage it. Yeah, we can see the same thing as a certain strawberry picker that ended up in Bundaberg. Exactly. It's things like that strawberry picker could have easily been sitting in an airport within distance of somebody who was coming to Cairns or was heading up the Cape going home or going or a teacher going up for work or something like that. That's the whole thing about relaxing rules and coming out of COVID-19 is that these are now the challenges. And when no government in the world has ever done this before, never, there, there, will, be, there will be things go wrong. But uh, what we do have now is we have hospitals which have heaps and heaps of empty um, intensive care wards. We've got heaps of empty planes and helicopters and retrieval staff sitting idle in places like Cairns and Townsville and a range of others all across the country. So we are now in a far stronger and confident position that if we were to get a cluster outbreak in a remote community, we would be able to jump on it really fast with very, very good people. And, uh, and that was the confidence that we weren't sure about a few months ago because we just didn't know what the status of the health system would be. June 12th is the next announcement. Can you give us a sneak peek or have we got to wait for then for the final word? We've written to the federal government. We've asked them to release the Biosecurity Act on June the 12th. Greg Hunt has indicated that he is well and truly prepared to do that. 
that will be the first move will be them releasing the Biosecurity Act. It's their act. They, they have to do that. We obviously don't have the power to do that. As he does that, our health officer directives will come straight in on the same day. So we've got to wait for, obviously, an announcement from Greg Hunt. But I think you'll find that all the bureaucratic work has been done behind the scenes. So, uh, you know, I think as we sort of get close to Friday, I think there should be a bit more clarity around that. But I think we'll have got to wait for his announcement first. Okay, so I think there'll be a lot of people waiting expectantly for that. Craig Crawford, look, thank you very, very much for your time. I know you're a busy man and you've got a lot to do, but uh, thank you for taking the time. No worries. Cheers. Okay, bye. That's Craig Crawford, the state member for the Barron River and also member for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Partnership.